You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Score North Winter Online Auction. It's your chance to save up to 70% off on items. Like a gas furnace or water heater from Air Mechanical. Stealth trailer from Pleasureland RV. A five-night all-inclusive golf vacation to the Dominican Republic from Escape With Us Vacations. Or an ultimate yard maintenance package from Tri-State Bobcat. Bidding begins December 9th through the 15th. Go to scorenorth.com keyword auction to bid, win, and save. That's scorenorth.com keyword auction. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rand with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Oh, just the second time. We have to come on Realistic Randy Rants here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel with my guy Realistic Randy and myself uh, to break down Vikings games. And unfortunately, Randy, just the uh, second uh, non-victory Monday we have to experience here on Realistic Randy Rants. But you know what? You also called this. You said if there was one more loss on this schedule, you said on this podcast last week, that there's one more loss on the schedule, it probably makes the most sense that it would be in Detroit. Vikings fall to the Lions. They cannot wrap up the NFC North for another week. They can potentially do it next Sunday. Plenty of more to get to after dissecting this loss. But you know what? There was a lot of good things that still happened in this game. And it's all for not, I guess, to a degree. But let, let's let's focus on the positives here. When you watch the Vikings-Lions game, you're watching Kirk, you're watching Jefferson ball out. What was your uh, main takeaway from watching those two put up just humongous and at, at times historical numbers in the loss to the Lions? Well, opposite of last week when I talked about Kirk Cousins and his lack of aggression, we saw the difference this week, this past Sunday against the Lions where, oh my God, over 400 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. The offensive line didn't help him out. That was one of the better performances by Kirk Cousins this season. And then Justin Jefferson, 223 yards, got robbed for probably another 30 yards and a score. Hawkinson and Thielen, they went for over 140 yards receiving. There were so many times in that game yesterday when I thought, okay, it's over with, we're finished, we're cooked, we're done. And Kirk and Jefferson specifically, they kept us in the game, at least to give us hope, to say, maybe we still have a chance here. So I just want to, among all the other mess that we are going to talk about, I just want to give a big thank you to Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, not to be lost, TJ Hawkinson, and Adam Thielen as well. But now you know what? That's the positivity that I've got. Declan Goff, I'm going to throw this back to you. Sure. I'm going to let you dictate. Where do you want to go from here? Let's let's focus a little bit on the positive here. Let, let's, okay. let's stay on this because we, we had a vent line episode, which is up. Uh, we already basically called for Ed Donatel's head uh, on the main show of Purple Daily today. And keep in mind, we are recording this at about 1130 a.m. Central Time on a Monday. So if Donatel uh, does get canned or something happens and changes here, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, obviously this YouTube channel will react to that news. But let, let's let's remain in the positivity here because okay. I thought that was one of the better Kirk performances we've ever seen in his career. I mean, he has 40% of his offensive line completely gone and or injured, I should say. 
Justin Jefferson is still featured a ton. I love that TJ Hawkinson was featured a ton. Um, he had a pretty, you know, ball-breaking drop there that would have resulted in a first down to extend a drive. I get that. But, you know, they made an effort yesterday to feed Justin Jefferson. I believe he had 15, 16 targets or so. Hawkinson had almost double-digit targets. Both those guys combined for basically 300 yards of offense. If I can take those box score numbers, if I can take the feeding of your best two playmakers and roll that in for the last four games of the regular season, and obviously most importantly when the playoffs roll around, those are the two dudes that have to get the ball a ton. Um, so I love the fact that Kirk Cousins made an effort to give those two the football. These weren't check downs, right? These weren't just C.J. Ham in the flat. This wasn't Tyler Conklin in the flat. These were balls pushing down the field and putting him in the playmaker's hands. That's what I love, Brandy. I love that Kirk Cousins made an effort to get J.J. and T.J. Hawkins of the football. Love to see it. When all else fails, give your best players an opportunity to make a play on the football. Because you're right. What we saw yesterday from Hawkinson and Jefferson, that is, it's almost specifically with Jefferson, yardage-wise, because it's not the same as scoring as Randy Moss, because Randy Moss was a touchdown machine. But yardage-wise, it's pretty damn close to a Randy Moss or a Calvin Johnson Megatron. Give your playmakers an opportunity to make plays on the football. And you're going to get results like this, which is really unfortunate, because how do you get 223 receiving yards from your best receiver and still lose that game possibly on track to maybe get 2000 yards this year can possibly break Randy Moss's single season receiving yards record. How does that happen? And to be honest, it was still a quiet 200 yard performance by Jefferson, which I looked at the box score yesterday, getting my notes ready for yesterday's video reacting to the loss. I said, he had over 200 yards receiving. <laughs> But that's what happens when Kirk Cousins is aggressive and not going with the checkdowns. You know what? When all hell breaks loose, go ahead and throw it to 18. TJ Hawkinson is the second option. And whatever you get from Adam Thielen, it's a bonus. But that was a supreme performance by the quarterback. The offensive line did not help. He got sacked three times, pressure all around him, and he still stood strong in the pocket and made throws to his receivers. That's the Kirk Cousins that I know that we can consistently see if he chooses to do that. Are you a little surprised, too, given that how many great receivers the Vikings have had that Sammy White's record basically stood for like 40 years? When, when, when you look at guys like Randy Moss that have come through and obviously Chris Carter, Anthony Carter, Jake Reed, Stefan Diggs, even Adam Thielen, that that record was never broken by any of those five guys I mentioned. It's pretty mind-blowing to me. It is. It, I would figure that Randy Moss would have all the receiving records yeah. for this Minnesota Vikings team. That's crazy. Even um, the receiving list that I saw Vikings PR tweet out yesterday, like Jefferson's already ninth. Like he's gonna he's gonna pass Diggs already in, in half the games and half the games played. Yeah, he he's a he's a special player, man. I mean, every time they feature him, you know that he can make game changing catches, and that that's what I've loved from Kirk too. Just sticking with the positivity that look, some of the checkdowns go away and some of those risky throws now pop up a little bit more, but it's because you you trust Justin Jefferson to make make the play. Judd threw out this um, notion on Mackie and Judd. I, I want your opinion on it, Randy. Is Are the Vikings' weapons, did we overrate the Vikings' weapons as a whole? You know, we, we kind of looked going into the season that, all right, so JJ's a stud, and, and we're seeing that happen. Dalvin Cook's still a pretty good running back. Uh, Thielen's up there in age, but having a, a decent season. KJ Osborne not living up to expectations. They obviously had to make a trade to get TJ Hawkson to make their tight end position group better. Do you think we maybe overvalue or overhyped the Vikings' weapons from what our preseason expectations were from that group? 
you have to look at each weapon individually. So Dalvin Cook, I guess it depends on who you ask. I was even talking about this offseason. I'm saying, hey, next year in 23, I don't think the Vikings keep Dalvin Cook on this team. He's getting up there in age and the money that he's getting paid. It's just not worth it. Whatever you get from him, okay, fine. Jefferson, the sky's the limit for him. Nothing to talk about there. TJ Hawkinson, it's been a bit of an issue with drops. You talked about that third down drop he had. It was in his hands, had the toes inbound, but just couldn't haul it in. That's been a problem. But overall, the good has outweighed the bad. I think KJ Osborne is the one thing that really skews that to where you say, okay, did we overrate the playmakers? Probably yes, because the biggest factor here, KJ Osborne, I thought he would be a bona fide wide receiver three. I thought he would be the guy that would pick up where he left off compared to last year, and he would just kill it. That if we're going to give him a contract later on, go ahead and do that. And he has been nowhere close to that. Now, to his credit, people have come after me saying, well, you know, you're going after K.J. Osborne. You say don't throw it to him at all. It's a waste of time. That's stupid. He makes timely catches. He makes a couple of clutch grabs. But as far as the volume, what we were expecting, it's been nowhere close. So because of that, that drop-off, I would say, yeah, we overrated the Vikings playmakers. Do you think, too, that Jalen Rager should be featured a little bit more here? I mean, he's he's made some plays when called upon, I think just the one target towards the garbage time of, of yesterday. But would you like to see some of those snaps that are probably going to K.J. Osborne maybe feature Jalen Rager instead a little bit more going forward? I would like to see that just because, okay, you got to remember, Hawkinson is the second option. So just because if Jalen Rager were to be the wide receiver, too, because I would probably give him a shot over Adam Thielen, keep Adam Thielen in the slot. But as far as mm-hmm. the second outside receiver, I would say Jalen Rieger. Give him that opportunity just because K.J. Osborne has not been that guy. So give an opportunity somewhere else. Jalen Rieger, I saw his struggles in Philadelphia firsthand. But I think because of K.J. Osborne just not being that player that we thought he would be, what can you lose from this? Jalen Rieger, go ahead and give him a shot. He had that 38-yard catch last week against the Jets what I don't like is that he talked out of his mouth saying I guarantee a win against the Lions this week and it just it didn't work out but as far as giving him that chance go ahead and do it absolutely uh Randy let's talk about uh some negatives here let's talk about the coaching here so let's let's kind of get into the coaching staff and here's my point um I thought that was one of Kevin O'Connell's just worst games as a head coach uh in his short tenure he's a rookie head coach so you're gonna go through some lumps not everything's rainbows and butterflies um, I thought the jump pass, designed jump pass with a running back to a backup tight end uh, was one of the most confusing things I could ever see. Uh, I didn't hate the two-point conversion opportunity. I, didn't under- I, I understood why they wanted to do it, but again, I think when you compound it with the jump pass, when you compound it with third and fourth and short situations that he still doesn't really know what to do, And then when you do that two-point conversion, it does kind of then, I think, linger more than it probably should. But I think Kevin O'Connell sometimes here gets just a little too cute and gets wants wants to really do something that's different and and completely off the wall, and it ends up hurting the Vikings there. Uh, So I'm not sure what your opinion of him was in that game. We're obviously going to probably talk about Ed Donatel, and I know we have more of an overarching long-term, how do the Vikings just fix their defense beyond 2022 that we'll get into later on the episode. But what did you think of Kevin O'Connell's performance yesterday against the Lions? It's been really disappointing that we haven't 
gotten what we thought would be the L.A. Rams experience in Minnesota with Kevin O'Connell, the innovative, offensive-minded head coach, just creative, original. Oh, my God, this is going to be Hollywood in Minnesota. We just haven't seen that. As it relates to yesterday's game, there was a fourth and one, the first possession for the Vikings, where they did a handoff to Dalvin Cook in shotgun. Why? Think about that. You're saying, okay, we're going to line up in the shotgun formation. The quarterback's going to be further back. The running back is going to be further back from the quarterback. And we're going to give them the possibility that maybe it's a pass. They'll never see this run coming. It didn't work out. You're trying to do a run out of shotgun with an interior offensive line that's been a mess. Also, the jump pass, the attempt to Johnny Munt, Dalvin Cook. Okay. The interior offensive line is a problem. You have a backup center on the field in Austin Schlotman. Think of that jump pass play. Okay. Dalvin Cook, he takes the pitch inside, by the way, which, okay, you really want to do that? Whatever. Yeah. The inside pitch behind that interior offensive line. Dalvin Cook has to creep up towards the line of scrimmage to where the chaos is happening and still get the pass off to Johnny Munt. And you know what it made me think of those two plays I just talked about? We talked about this after the Washington Commanders game. You remember when Kirk Cousins, he got hurt for that one play. Nick Mullins had to come in. And instead of Kevin O'Connell saying, you know what, let's hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook. Let's run the football. One play, Kirk Cousins, he'll be right back in. Okay, fine. Instead, they did an inside screen to TJ Hawkinson for minus three yards. We're lucky that it didn't turn into a disaster. (laughs) But the main theme here is that Kevin O'Connell just has the tendency to want to do these zippity doodah crap plays near the line of scrimmage. You don't have the personnel to get these trick plays off. Keep it simple as if you want Dalvin Cook to do that jump pass, get him outside to where he can get outside Brian O'Neill, or if you want to even get him outside to the left side of Blake Brandle, that's fine. The interior offensive line and Ed Ingram and Austin Slotman on that play, they whiffed on their blocks. I don't understand what Kevin O'Connell is, but I think it's correctable. I think it's something that he can learn from, but I hate that we're seeing this too consistently from him, that you want to be conservative. Last week against the Jets, we talked about this. The run game was electric. It was working, and then he went away from it. Yesterday against the Lions, the run game was the equivalent of butt cheeks, but he stuck with it, especially on first down. Let's get the ball to Dalvin Cook on first down. It wasn't working. Why? Just put two and two together sometimes. Getting too cute, you overthink yourselves, but I think it's correctable from him. Yeah, I just it, it some some of the things the zippity doo dah, uh, you know, kind of reminds me. I know you're a big Office fan too. You know, it's one of my favorite Dwight quotes. You know, K I S S, keep it simple, stupid. You know, like it, it, <laughs> right. great advice hurts my feelings every time. Um, Kevin O'Connell should probably adopt some of that and watch some Peacock and and, and get himself familiar with those kind of things. It just. At the end of the day, if it's third and one and fourth and one, yeah, you don't have to be in shotgun for that. You don't have to be dialing up running back passes to your backup tight end. You know, if they want to do some trickery with JJ, where, you know, JJ's throwing, he can actually throw the football a little bit. If they want to do an end around to Jefferson, I wouldn't have hated that play call. Like, that. okay, like, if, if he, whether he gets stuffed or whether he wanted to do a design little rollout pass, little Philly, Philly, Philly special, I love that idea. Uh, but sometimes I think Kevin O'Connell, yeah, just kind of outsmarts himself and, with the Vikings not having a big play gene. So we saw yesterday on the Lions side that, look, they hit like three or four big plays, and the Vikings defense has been giving up big plays all over the places. The guys like Mike White and 
Now Jared Goff, Justin Fields, name them. You can go up and down the list. And the Vikings instead have to kind of counter with these jab attacks, right? Like we're going to have long sustained drives. We're going to march down the field. It's all 8, 9, 11, 12-yard plays, nothing really over 20-yard plays. I think they showed a graphic yesterday during the game. The Vikings are like 30th in the NFL in 20-yard passing plays this year. Like So they they just haven't had a big home run plays that they like other teams have, have been able to show. So he has to adjust. Well, then how come when it's the when it's just simple, it's third and one, it's fourth yes. and one, fourth and two. Dude, you don't have to get creative with a crazy draw play on fourth and one or a handoff uh, running back pass on, on, on the goal line. Dude, just keep it simple there. Yeah, I, I think he's learning on the job. It, look, I love Kevin O'Connell. In fact, I'm, I'm still very bullish on what he's going to bring long-term to the Vikings. Um, and in fact, as they kind of roll over personnel after 2022, I'm curious what this team looks like on week one of next season, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But it's the NFL. You know, you do have a shelf life eventually here. The book gets out on you a little bit too. Teams know what to do to stop you, as we were kind of seeing now lately with with these Vikings defense. So, yeah, I will. I want to see him uh, just keep things a lot more simple on the offensive side, and then I I think it will open up things. On your point of the running game, so this is where I think sometimes you got to figure out when to abandon the run and when to stick with the run. So yes, uh, last week against the Jets, they they abandoned it when they should not have abandoned it, right? Like it was effective. The Jets also just have a really good pass defense. Uh, we talked about that last week that it's pretty impressive to see a defense stop the pass. It's just, it, it's almost impossible to do in today's NFL. And they abandoned the run, which was just weird. Yesterday, they said, nope, we will stick with this running game. Even Jonathan Vilma at halftime said, yeah, you have to stick with this running game and, and continue to get after the Lions here. It's like, dude, they have like, 1.2 yards per carry, and yesterday they finished their longest running play of the day was five yards. Five! You know, if, if they ripped off a home run play, kind of like Dalvin did against the Bills game a few weeks ago, that then opened things up, okay, I can live with the, the, the famine, famine, feast moments there if it means a big play, is, is you can knock it out. They didn't have a big play, and they stuck with the running game when their passing attack was awesome yesterday. So, there was just things in general that just kind of blew my mind from Kevin O'Connell. And I, it's a learning experience. He'll get better from it. But it was still pretty confusing to me. I think if you're Kevin O'Connell, you owe it to yourself to at least see what you have in Kane and Wangu as a switch up running back. Because in these situations where Dalvin Cook, the amount of times that we saw the TFL or the no game by Dalvin Cook, and Kevin O'Connell still said, come hell or high water, we're going to stick with it. It was infuriating to watch. But you at least need to switch it up. Give Alexander Madison more than two attempts, albeit he had a total of minus one yard for the day. That doesn't help out either. But the coaching performance by O'Connell yesterday, that's not good for playoff football. You're talking mm-hmm. about going up against teams like, and we, goodness, the Philadelphia Eagles week two, Dallas Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. Those are two playoff teams. Maybe the Lions, maybe they sneak into the playoffs. Even if not, yesterday was still a big game for Minnesota to clinch the NFC North division. Okay, so there's a lot of pressure on you. And all three of those games, we saw weak offensive coaching performances. It's not good enough when you're talking about going up against the Eagles or the Cowboys or, my goodness, the Niners. They're going to destroy this team. They're (laughs) not going to go far, and we we have to really check our excitement or our expectations because, you know, I do think they have the talent to beat anybody in the league. This team is capable of so much more than what they've shown so far. But if they're not going to make changes, if you're going to goof up on the short plays where you need to keep it simple, why not put that energy to the outside, the vertical threat? I think we saw 
at one point yesterday, correct me if I'm wrong, Declan Goff, but there was a deep pass attempt to Adam Thielen. It got broken up. It was a nice play by the Lions defense. But I said, oh, wow, okay, do more of that. Okay, the defense, they made a great play, but you still have the receivers on this team to make those plays happen more often than not. Instead of focusing on the vertical pass, you want to focus on the being cute, short yardage to a first down or short yardage to goal, first and goal situations. You want to say, you know what, let's get into my Houdini <laughs> bag. That's where you want to get all cute at. It, it makes zero sense. Those type of hiccups, you're going to be one and done in the playoffs. Absolutely, yeah. Those are the type of decisions that yeah, a good team will just burn you on. And then it's even worse when you shoot yourself in the foot, which is you know what the Vikings did on multiple occasions yesterday. Uh, on the defensive side, realistic, Randy. By the way, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment as Randy covers his eyes and has to, again, process Ed Donatell's defense that has allowed over 460 yards, I believe, is the exact total over the last five games. Average, not total. Average that they are giving up over the last five games. It's the first time in Vikings history that defense has been this bad. We have seen bad defenses from this Vikings teams in our lifetimes, Randy. I turned 30 on Thursday. I have seen some bad defenses. I saw towards the end of the Frazier uh, defenses where, where Zimmer had to take things over in that cover two that did not work. Tampa two, I should say, that didn't work. Even um, good teams in the early 2000s with Dante Culpepper, those defenses, not very good. The end of the Zimmer run, not very good. But 460 yards of offense over the last five games. Um... I don't think Kevin O'Connell, who preaches culture and accountability to a degree, is going to fire Ed Donatel, but there has to be a real look in the mirror, which you have called for for the last few weeks and saying, either I got to make a change, you have to make a change, because what we're doing right now is not working. What do you do on the defensive side of the ball right now if you're Kevin O'Connell? You know what, Declan Goff, I got to say something here, okay? The Vikings, they are now, after yesterday's game, they are the worst defense in the league. They're also worst against the pass. You talked about this, Kevin O'Connell culture. I think to some degree he values relationships and trying to keep people happy instead of making tough decisions. This Vikings defense has been a problem all season long. I'm tired of after every game and every week coming up with new ways to talk about the same crap when it comes to this defense. At this point in time, I don't care what you do anymore. Kevin O'Connell, you, you do all this talking, and I like him. I am rooting for him. But it's time to put up or shut up. Stop talking. You do all this talking to do a whole bunch of nothing as far as I thought this was going to be, you know what, collaboration. This is collection of the big brain powers to come up with the optimal solution. And any adjustments, we are going to do it. You have done nothing. Goodness, Ed Donatel, he's not going to change. We, we see that he's going to stick with the same old song and dance. At this point in time, the only thing that I want to see as far as a press conference is concerned, because I don't want to see it anymore. Ed Donatel, there's no point of this dude to get up on the podium and say the same crap. Well, we're going to give it 110%. We're just going to get better every day. Shut up. We, this whole idea, well, he's going to come from the Vic Fangio tree, and the defense is going to be great. My ass. He's not going to do anything so it's up to you Kevin O'Connell to make a change unless I see a press conference to where Ed Donatel is fired do not waste my time because it's not going to change uh by, by the way love the spirit love 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 the energy you're bringing here um what I hated about the Ed Donatel press conferences is that the well yards don't really matter well 
460 yards of offense, that matters. Uh, when you can't force turnovers, which, by the way, is just kind of a hard thing to project and count upon, I should say, week in and week out, that's going to cause an issue. How many turnovers did you have yesterday? Zero. You weren't, able to, you, you weren't able to get the opportunistic plays that the Vikings defense has shown they've been able to do at times this season. But that, if, if you're going to allow 460 yards of offense and say, oh, don't worry about it because we're going to get a key turnover here and there. That is a horrible way to look at that. That's like stumbling into winning the lottery. That's like stumbling into, well, I didn't make rent this month. I'm going to keep wasting money on pull tabs because eventually I'll pull something. Well, you're going to be deep in the hole from spending all the money on you trying to get to win the damn pull tab box, right? So I think you either have to make a change here, whether that's Mike Pettin, who has a history of being at least a successful defensive coordinator. Um, he's He has shown that he can do it. If it's Mike Pettin calling plays, I'm for that. Uh, if it's Kevin O'Connell having to step in, and I know he, you know, he's an offensive guy, but you're the head coach now, right? Like we got mad at Mike Zimmer all the time for ignoring offense. You're now the head coach. Like this falls upon you. Yes, you made the hire to add Donatel, and at the time, I didn't fault you for that hire because it was something that you weren't having a great expertise with. You 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 shove it off to someone else for now, and you can watch from afar. Well, now, dude. The biggest problem on this Vikings team, by the way, it's not Craig Joseph. It is the Vikings defense. The Vikings defense is its biggest ward. It's last in the NFL, to, to your point. A change has to be made there. I don't know if that's Mike Pettin. I don't know if you can just make the scheme completely different overnight. I think that's asking a little bit too much. But you got to make some type of tweak, some type of adjustment here, because you can't allow 460 yards of offense and make Jared Goff essentially look like he's Dan Marino out there. Some type of adjustment has to be made. And at the end of the day, that falls on, again, to our point of Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell has to be the one to make that change. I'm curious what it looks like, but he has to, he, he, it's on his shoulders here. He's the head coach. He is. And earlier this year, I'm paraphrasing here, but I remember when Ed Donatello, when asked about Daniil Hunter, and hey, the production isn't quite there, and he said something along the lines of, just you wait, time will tell, he will be better than ever. And it hasn't worked out. Daniil Hunter, if he's not productive as a pass rusher, clearly this 3-4 base is not working. You can at least say, let's go back. Didn't we hear something about him, Ed Donatel, saying we're going to see multiple fronts? 3-4, 4-3, we're going to throw the whole bag at opposing offenses. We have not seen that at all. You need to go back to a 4-3 base. You haven't seen anything from Hunter. You haven't seen anything from Zadari Smith. I'm sick and tired of watching this secondary just float around, look like they're just there collecting checks. They don't know what the hell they're doing. No, I don't know if Mike Pettin is the answer, but at this point, you cannot get any worse. Make an in-house promotion if you want to. Chris Rumpf, the defensive line coach, or Greg Minuski, the inside linebackers coach, something. Because Ed Donatel is, we are 13 games in and we're still doing the same stuff. And we still get up on the podium and say, hey, we're going to make these adjustments here and we're going to figure it out. We are just about at the finish line of the regular season. You're nowhere ready for the playoffs. You're ready for the playoffs in terms of your record right now, squeaking by one score games, doing just enough to win these games. That's great. But every quarterback, every quarterback, it doesn't matter. I almost feel like, and I know this is asinine to say, you or I can get out there as the opposing quarterback versus this Vikings defense, and we can put up at least 150 yards and two touchdowns and zero interceptions. That's how bad it is because you make every quarterback look like Johnny Unitas. It's ridiculous. He needs to be fired yesterday. Uh, Randy, looking to long-term at these defensive pieces here. So you just got plotting linebackers. You know, Jordan Hicks, um, who actually might be injured and might not even play against the Colts, um, is old and slow. 
Uh, Eric Kendricks in certain situations looked good, but then there's still moments where he gets burning and misses tackles here. They're clearly missing Harrison Smith, I thought, yesterday. Uh, Cam Dantzler shaking off the rust uh, from being on IR for the last month. The Duke of Shelley, who we want to see more of, finally got a lot of playing time. Not exactly the, the best game from him. I guess overall... How how do you fix this defense beyond 2022? I know we're still living in this season and, and we're riding and dying right now with the 2022 Vikings, but outside of who? Cam Dantzler, I think you still bring back Zadarius Smith. Daniil Hunter is still back. It feels like they need a significant overhaul of like four or five different players, whether that's in the draft or free agency, by the time week one of next season rolls around. I think Eric Hendricks is the start, and I can't believe I'm saying this because in my lifetime watching the Vikings, I've been a fan of this team since 2000, so 22 years. Eric Kendricks is the greatest Vikings linebacker that I have ever seen, but I think it's time. He's not the same guy. His coverage skills were second to none. He's a lot slower than he was in years past. I think you have to move on from him. And you know what? Daniel Hunter, I know on the surface he's a great player, but if you are hell-bent on sticking with this 3-4 defense, you might as well go ahead and move on from him as well. I'm just saying, unless you switch back to the 4-3, and if you do stick with the 3-4, and if you keep Ed Donatel, which I wouldn't even be surprised if they keep him going along for next year for the sake of the culture and relationships. That means you are then choosing Ed Donatel over Daniil Hunter's production. But if you're going to stick with the the same old song and dance, you need to move on from Daniil Hunter as well because in this defense, it's not working. Eric Kendricks, I just talked about him. Harrison Smith, I think he's still very good and very productive when healthy, but at his age now, maybe it's best to move on. And with corners, actually, Cam Bynum as well. Lewis Seen, let's say he comes back, which even before the injury, he was mainly, whenever he did play, was on special teams, not on the defense very much anyway. But let's say Lewis Seen, he comes back, and he's one of your starting safeties next year. You still have a hole at the second safety spot. And then at corner, you... The one thing I am willing to say is that corner, I will give them some grace. It's been, it's been a rough situation as far as the injuries. Andrew Booth Jr., even though before he got hurt, he was not great. A Caleb Evans, he'll be back next year. As far as aging veterans, the one guy that I say, I think you have to keep him is Patrick Peterson for his leadership. Is If he's willing to come back next year, I say go ahead. But other than that, you have to look at this entire defensive roster, and you need to find a third defensive lineman. Because whether it's Ross Blacklock, he's hurt now. Jonathan Bullard, before he went on IR. You've been struggling there. You need to find a third defensive lineman, but there needs to be a complete overhaul on this defensive roster. But honestly, none of it matters if the defensive coordinator right now remains in 2023. Yeah, I mean, the, the one you could actually maybe get something for is Daniil, right? Like, yes. you could potentially get a haul for him. And, yeah, if you're going to be schemed in the incorrect ways, then I would sell on him. And I'd sell high, and another team, would what, you wouldn't get rid of him for nothing. You would you would get a haul for him. Um, it would also clear a lot of cap space. You can spend that money on fixing the defense as a whole. So, yeah, it, it's, it is an interesting piece because there's so many changes that could be made on that defensive side of the ball. Um, yes, have they had some bad luck with injuries to Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth to a degree? Of course they have. Um, has Pat P kind of had a, a big-time bounce back? That's been awesome to see. Uh, but how consistent is that, right? I mean, he, he's, an, he's a cornerback that's up there in age. Can he repeat the season he's having again for next season? It's, a, it's an interesting boat uh, to, to be in. Uh, by the way, Randy, before we get into kind of uh, what to expect over uh, the next four games, Vikings play the Colts on Saturday. 
uh, and also just taking a look at the NFC playoff picture. Uh, shout out to our friends at Park Tavern. Uh, Park Tavern, which is a great place to uh, enjoy a vent, uh, enjoy a beer, enjoy some bowling. Great event hall at Park Tavern in St. Louis Park off Louisiana Boulevard um, and close to Minnetonka Boulevard there. Go check out Park Tavern. It's a great spot. Uh, Judd's there all the time. Great spot to be. Go check out uh, Park Tavern. And also, this is a fun one here for us, Randy. So, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the Kirk Cousins Canadian Crusaders, I said that right. The Kirk Cousins Canadian Crusaders uh, are a fraction of group who love Purple Daily, mm-hmm. and they want to help Kirk Cousins Foundation. So they have asked, they have, they have, they're, they're promoting on our podcast that we encourage our audience to donate to Kirk Cousins Charity. Go to KirkCousins.org, donate to a great cause from our friends, the Canadian Crusaders of the Kirk Cousins community who love Purple Daily. Go donate to that cause uh, as well. Randy, when we look now to the Lions game, uh, a couple more home games here. I believe a win, regardless, right, clinches the division for the Vikings because there's four games left of the season. You have a four-game lead uh, on Detroit. So you're, you're on track to possibly win the North this weekend against a bad Colts team. Uh, right now, four-point favorites uh, against the Colts. That line could still move, of course. Uh, but do you feel like because the Colts are just basically a dumpster fire, Matt Ryan will start. I did see that. So it's another Matt Ryan game. Uh, do you expect a big bounce-back game? You know, we haven't seen the Vikings really blow out opponent that much this season outside of the Week 1 Packers game. Is this the game where you say, okay, it was a bad loss against a good Lions team that's up and coming, and then the Colts are coming to town. Kind of the perfect little spoonful of medicine that this Vikings team needs. I think this Colts game and the rest of the season is going to be excruciating. They are either <laughs> going to lose or they are going to barely win. Is this going to be the bounce-back game for the Vikings? I, I believe so. I'm going to stick with my prediction saying that the Lions, that's the one blip the rest of the way. The remaining four games, the Vikings will win, but it will be ugly. They still have Jonathan Taylor. The Colts do, even though he's not having his MVP caliber season like he did last year. Michael Pittman Jr., Paris Campbell as receivers, Quentin Nelson on the offensive line. They're going to make things interesting. Also, at corner, they also have Stephon Gilmore. So that matchup versus Justin Jefferson, that's going to be fun to watch. But I think this Colts team, they're in the dumps. They're going to fall apart. At some point in this season, why not now? The Vikings, they will win this game. As far as bounce back, I guess it depends on how you define it. As far as, well, how they lost to the Lions, any win is a bounce back win. But a convincing win, I don't think it's going to happen the rest of the year. They should win against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, wrap up the North. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Colts are just yeah, not not a great team right here. And um, whether that's Matt Ryan, I know they give it gave some time to Sam Ellinger as well but I think it's a perfect kind of bounce-back performance they can get against a bad Colts team. A couple Saturday games coming up for the Vikings here. So they have back-to-back Saturday games Ooh, against the Colts, right. um, the Giants, too, on Christmas Eve. So non-traditional Sunday games uh, for the Vikings for the le- next few weeks to close out their homestand. All right, Randy, let's um, let's take a look here at the NFC. You, you mentioned Brock Purdy and those 49ers. So I have been kind of been maybe the only one on this island that says, yeah, I, I just don't really, uh, I'm not scared of the 49ers quite yet. Okay, I am going mm-hmm. to retract that statement. Um, and now after watching what Brock Purdy was able to do against a Buccaneers team who is not as good as as, as they have been the, in previous seasons, you have to do everything in your power here to stay ahead of them in the standings. And the Vikings still control that destiny. Uh, they're still a game up on the 49ers for that two seed. Niners look damn good. But I don't want to go to Santa Clara and potentially play that team. 
So you have to do everything in your power to stay ahead of that 49ers team in the standings. Yes, the Vikings get a wild card home playoff game regardless when they clinch the North. But man, in the divisional round, I would very much like to stay at home and not have to travel to Santa Clara or travel to Philadelphia because I lost the two seed or whatever, how, how the shaking goes. You have to do everything in your power to look at the San Francisco 49ers and be like, okay, I have to avoid that team at all costs. Well, the Vikings, they control their own destiny, Declan Goff. And ever, whenever we get in those situations, all you have to do is win and you're fine. That's when everything that usually can go wrong does go wrong. However, these last four games that the Vikings have, all you have to do is win out and you're fine. You've got the Colts, the Giants, the Packers, the Bears. I'm no longer worried about the Giants like I was before. Yeah. As long as you win out, there's nothing to worry about. If you, however, find a way to lose one of these games and the Niners right now, they're just on a roll, then, okay, all bets are off. But the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Eagles, those are the three teams in these playoffs that I am most worried about. And also, if the Seahawks find a way to scratch their way back up to the seventh seed, then that's another team that I'll throw in that basket as well. But win out. Don't worry about the Niners. Win out. Take care of business. Unfortunately, now it looks like week 18, you have to play your starters. We were talking about before, well, if you lock up the two seed a little bit early, week 17 or week 18, you can rest your starters and take your time, take it easy. Now you can't do that. Every game is just in, as important as the previous game before. Take care of business. Yeah, here's also why you have to stay ahead. Um, as of right now, the Vikings have a six and three conference record. The Niners are seven and two. So if it comes down, I believe, to tiebreaker and you have the same regular season record, I believe conference record is the next thing in play if you didn't play each other during the season like the Vikings didn't with the Niners. So right now the Niners have the next tiebreaker up on you. So you can't even afford the luxury unless the Niners obviously lose two conference games between now and the end of the season and the Vikings also lose two games. It, then, then we're getting really thick in the weeds here. To your point, you control your own destiny, you win out, and then things are going to be all gravy from there. Um, last thing here in the NFC playoff picture, we always like to take a look at things long-term. You mentioned the Seahawks, who are, are now scuffling a little bit. Geno Smith has come down to earth to a degree. Um, outside of those three teams you mentioned, yeah, the Eagles, the Cowboys, obviously the Niners, anyone else in the NFC that, that, would, that would scare you in a potential playoff game or outside of that, you can mostly take care of business against anyone that comes into U.S. Bank on wildcard weekend. I mean, I think the Giants would be an interesting game. But as far as being scared, no. I think the Vikings, they would take care of business against the rest of the teams. That includes the Giants and the Washington Commanders. Those three teams you just mentioned, and actually the Seattle Seahawks, so that's four, those are the only ones that I'm saying, okay, I, even with this doohickey of an offense, Kevin O'Connell, you don't know what you're going to get from him on each and every drive. There's no consistency there, even with that at play and the defense is just pure ass, I think they can still beat the Washington Commanders and the Giants. Nobody okay. else scares me. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you here, too. Um, and look, that NFC South is a gong show. You know, some some bad the team's going to host. How could I forget about them? Yes. Yeah. So, some, some, I think the Bucks win that division, but luckily they, the Vikings wouldn't play them on wild card weekend if they won their division, at least. So it makes things a, a little interesting there. Yeah, if it was the Commanders, if it was the Seahawks, um, I would feel a lot better about that going forward. So, yeah, we'll see what happens here. Vikings get the Colts on Saturday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Just two home games left. 
Again, they can potentially win the NFC North uh, with a victory over the Colts. That guarantees the playoff game. It's a t-shirt hat game that they were all talking about going in to last week. And now you can get a t-shirt and hat in front of your uh, home stadium crowd. Uh, Realistic Randy, any other uh, final thoughts here before we wrap up on this podcast? When it comes to this defense, I'm dead inside. I, I don't want to see any more <laughs> press conferences from Ed Donatel. Don't Viking social media manager, stop sharing the videos of Ed Donatel talking. Unless we see a press conference that, that okay, he's fired. We're moving on with a new defensive coordinator. Right now, it is literally a waste of time. I am sick and tired of hearing this dude talk. At this point, he just has a universal script that he uses all season long. I don't know which file cabinet he pulls it out of, but he just says the same old, we're going to give it 110%. <laughs> Things, will, eventually we're going to figure it out. And you never do. I'm done with him. Whatever. All right, man. Uh, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Go subscribe to the Realistic Randy's YouTube channel uh, for some great Minnesota Vikings content. We'll be back next Monday uh, after the Vikings and Colts game, hopefully talking about the NFC North and talking about a, a, a big win over a bad Colts team. And hit that subscribe button where we just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged or Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them. And Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.